The Broncos Blitz Podcast with Ronnie K. Presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. The Broncos Blitz Podcast. News and analysis to help you be a better Broncos fan. Welcome in to the Broncos Blitz Podcast, presented by DraftKings, America's top-rated sportsbook app. My name is Ronnie Court. You can follow me on Twitter at Ronnie K Radio. That's at R O N N I E. The letter K Radio on Twitter. Today, we're going to talk about what John Elway did right in the offseason. It's going to be a two-part episode on the podcast because in our next episode, we'll talk about what he did wrong this offseason. So kind of an overall review, a step back, if you will, of what the Denver Broncos did, but we'll stay positive for today and we'll talk about what the Broncos did right this offseason. Of course, it's all presented by DraftKings America's top-rated sports book app and for DraftKings, well, our friends, it is fun to get some skin in the game, including in different sports like golf. Hey, golf is here. That's right. Another full weekend of golf. If you missed last week, well, your opportunity to get in this week is here. And even though the trophy reserved for the winner, the big cash winnings don't have to be. To add to the excitement, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting you in the center of the action with a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Don't worry. If you weren't able to take advantage of last week again, Big deal for this week. Well, we got lots of opportunities at day-by-day action, player props, even hole-by-hole live betting. A lot of great stuff on DraftKings Sportsbook. It's safe, it's secure, it's reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. And DraftKings offering a special odds boost for the golf tournament this weekend. New users can get a 50-1 odds boost on the top golfers to win prior to the tournament start. Here's the deal. Download the dra- the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code MHS when you sign up for a limited time. All new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook is going all out with a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Just enter code MHS when you sign up. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. you got to be 21 or older and in Colorado only. Bonus is comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires a 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. And see DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. So, the Broncos Blitz podcast today, it's going to be themed on the positives what the Denver Broncos did right. Now, let's kind of take a, a broad overview of what the Denver Broncos did in general, okay? So, on the offensive side of the football, they uh, brought in Melvin Gordon. On the offensive line, Graham Glasgow drafting Lloyd Cushenberry third, Retaining the left tackles, uh, or I should say the tackles, left tackle Garrett Bowles and Juwan James right tackle. Obviously, the quarterback position, we expect it to be driven and led by Drew Locke, along with the wide receivers a big room that has changed now in drafting Jerry Judy drafting KJ Hamler uh, let's not forget Cleveland on the back end and then of course in the tight end room as well too where you pick up Albert Okawebana you sign Nick Vanette in the offseason and then maybe one of the more important changes in general on offense is the fact that you fired uh, Scangarello and then brought in Pat Shermer so that's the offensive side of the football 
on the defensive side of things. The coaching uh, staff relatively remains the same. You uh, dip into the draft a little bit, but not much with Justin Sternad and Michael Ojemudia. Generally, the draft was focused more on the offensive side of the football. Uh, you do bring in a game as well, too, but I think a lot of these guys are going to be depth guys because, boy, you did some good things in the offseason, and we're going to talk about that here in this podcast on the defensive side. That's where I want to start. Now, the defensive line, you bring back Shelby Harris, and, of course, you trade for Jarrell Casey. At the linebacker position, relatively staying the same, although you could say that they are returning with uh, Bradley Chubb. A, a, I don't want to say it's an acquisition. Obviously, it's not. But he obviously sat out last year, so now you have that, that, that production returned to you. The cornerback position, obviously a lot of changes with A.J. Boye, drafting a Michael Ojemudia, and then the safety position has relatively stayed the same, although you could say, I suppose, they retain Justin Simmons, still looking to sign him to a long-term deal. So on the defensive side of things, I look at this and say, okay, you did a lot of great things because things kind of fell into your lap, okay? And the reason why I say that is because I don't think anybody at the beginning of the offseason expected Shelby Harris to return to the Denver Broncos for anything under $6 million. Like if you if you told me at the beginning of the year, I'm pretty sure I would have put the price. I'm pretty sure I put the price tag at eight nine million, and the fact that he's coming back so cheap is absolutely insane, crazy value for the Denver Broncos. And he is also the guy I would rather have retained over Derek Wolf. Now Derek Wolf departs obviously for Baltimore. That is a big loss in the locker room and more of a a, a leader off the field, somebody who is very vocal. But that production now being replaced by Jarrell Casey, multi-time Pro Bowler, somebody who is going to be an absolute dynamite. And again, kind of falling into your lap because of the fact that the Tennessee Titans were looking to move some money around. This is a big reason why they got rid of him. They get a, a, a very small, but granted, a asset back for him. And Denver is your winner here because of the fact that you get a big-time player at uh, that price tag of just a cheap late round draft pick asset. And now you say, okay, that's a t- tremendous upgrade. You retain Shelby Harris, and so your defensive line, you could argue, is much better. We shift to the corner room, and the reason why I shift to the corner room is the linebackers and the safety, they really t- relatively have not changed. You added a little bit of depth. You lost a couple guys. Will Parks is probably your most notable between those two positions, but you do have the re obviously the the production return to you from Bradley Chubb. So you kind of you kind of remain muted on both of those sides. The cornerback room is the big one because this is was such a hole last year from opening night where Isaac Yadam just looked really bad to what seemingly, at least to me, and again, this is just something that has uh, been on my mind for a while now, is the fact that this was a player in Chris Harris Jr. that you could clearly see was declining. There was a lot of decline in his game. It was just not uh, the same type of player uh, throughout, uh, you know, his career. And, and look, I think this is father time catching up. And so the fact that A.J. Boyer comes in, I, I would like to think as a... um. 
direct replacement, if not slight improvement. I don't want to get too carried away with this, to be truly honest, because because I just don't know if A.J. Boye, I, I've said this in the past, I just don't know if A.J. Boye comes in as this dynamite, uh, absolute stud that, uh, you know, a lot of people are expecting. You know, the the idea that this kid comes in and, and replaces Chris Harris Jr. or, you know, potentially could, you know, make them better, I think is, is fine. But don't look for this kid to just absolutely, you know, uh, be a complete game changer for this team. I, I think he's very much, and I shouldn't even say kid because quite frankly he's a veteran, I, I think very much coming in as a replacement for Chris Harris Jr. I think he can make some plays. I, I think he is a cornerback one, but I also don't know if this is a guy who is going to be the shutdown corner that you expect. Michael Ojemudia, the draft pick in the third round, a lot of people believe this was a day three guy. Denver picks him in day two. We could make the argument that if you were to bank on a player or bank on a position to be evaluated by a coaching staff, you can make the argument that Ed Donatel and Vic Fangio, hey, of all people in the entire NFL, those are the guys you want evaluating a, a cornerback, right? So I think we do have to fall back a little bit on the trust and the idea that these are the guys evaluating and they saw something in Michael Ojemudia, whether it's his ability to cover long, you know, somebody who can, uh, you know, potentially grow into a big time type player. But I, I want to point out as well, too, um, you know, I, I think the idea is with what the Denver Broncos are trying to do, I think they're going to ask for a lot of progress from those corners that were kind of up and coming last year. Devontae Bosby as well as Devontae Harris, you know, and the hope is that they come back. Uh, you know, fairly healthy. Uh, Bosby dealing with a very serious injury and better than what they were. And then you're also expecting Isaac Adam to improve. You know, I don't think the ship has sailed on Isaac Adam. I know that may kind of send some shivers up the spine of uh, Denver Bronco uh, fans, but the idea that this kid could could potentially come back and play better than what he did last year, maybe learn a thing or two. I think this is a Denver team that uh, you know could could see themselves improved at the cornerback position. I don't think it's that much better, to be truly honest, but I do think they were in some pretty bad shambles. I think the cornerback position actually remains weak on this team, but there were some bright spots on this defense. I want to shift to the offense now. Where, of course, look, if you are a Denver Broncos fan and you're looking at a offense that, quite frankly, for the past couple of years, <laughs> good Lord, Trevor Simeon, Paxton Lynch, Mark Sanchez had a short cup of coffee here, uh, you know, Kyle Sloter, all this nonsense since post Peyton Manning has been such a fatigue on this team and finally you now have somebody to grasp to and I think there's a lot of positives that that can bring to a fan base and some calming uh, of an uh, of a presence if you will with the idea that a his teammates the teammates like this kid uh, being in that locker room 
they like him a lot, and they like how he approached that first year. He did not come in with this cocky mentality that I'm going to be groomed to be the guy. I'm gonna, I'm the dude for sure. He went in trying to earn that spot. And I tell you what, as bad as it was to have that thumb injury, I, I really wonder if we're going to look back a couple years from now and say, boy, that thumb injury may have been one of the better things to happen to Drew Locke because you know what happened? That kid had the opportunity to fight through an injury adversity and show his teammates what he's what he's driving towards and kind of show show the teammates that this kid was not going to just let things fall into the, his lap and that he was going to earn it he was out there doing the VR and practicing as much as he could he had the opportunity to sit behind well he was forced to sit for a while at least for uh, three quarters of the season and he wasn't thrown into the fire and into some bad situations and so you know you you could say that that thumb injury may have been a, a major blessing in disguise you know look obviously you hope nobody ever gets injured but the idea that this injury allowed him to slowly by default be kind of forced into this hey I'm going to earn this situation while I while I while I get healthy and teammates saw that you know, he was the first one in, last one out at training camp. That was a a constant between him and River Craycraft, and I saw it myself. I was out there at six, seven a.m. when he would walk out there with Craycraft, and they just toss a football around. And you like to see that if you're a teammate. And you like to see they pay attention to this kind of stuff. Make no mistake, as opposed to a rookie quarterback who may walk out there right at nine when the whistle blows, just kind of walking out there, swagger, whatever. This kid gets it above the shoulders. And I think that's more than anything what you should be really happy about if you're a Denver Broncos fan because this kid gets it above the shoulders and that's all that matters because, boy, you can teach him to play faster. You can teach him to read defenses and do all these different things. Whether he does the homework or whether he goes out there into the film room and and dives deep and has that motivation, that's the stuff you can't teach. And because of that, that's why I am a big fan of this kid. I never saw that with Paxton Lynch. And quite frankly, I was never a big fan of Brock Osweiler and Trevor Simeon and all these guys that they've had prior. This is the kid that's got everything in front of him. And kudos to John Elway because I think this offense and what he did this offseason, a lot of people are going to say, oh, well, you know, you know, the best move that they made this offseason was Graham Glasgow or, you know, drafting Jerry Judy or, you know, trading for Jarrell Casey, whatever may be the case. No, the best thing that John Elway did this offseason was the question answered that I asked at the end of the year. When the Denver Broncos wrapped up their season and they had their end of season press conference, my number one question, number one question going into the offseason was how are you going to set up Drew Locke to win? Because it was very clear he was the franchise. And what are you going to do to surround him with talent? Will you do that offseason or will you not? That was the big question. And John Elway absolutely set himself up or set his kid up, Drew Locke, to be very successful. From 
uh, signing Melvin Gordon at the running back position. And I know a lot of people ain't going to like that that money contract for Melvin Gordon because it's a running back and you already had Philip Lindsay, this and that, yada, yada. If Melvin Gordon is productive, you won't even remember the contract. You will just say, this was a terrific signing. If he, if he is productive, you won't remember that contract. Drafting the wide receivers that you did. Jerry Judy falling into your lap at 15 was so crazy. All we did pre-draft was talk about how, boy, they got to trade up to eight. They got to trade up to 10 with Cleveland. How are they going to get Jerry Judy? Will they even have the opportunity to get Judy or Ruggs or Lamb, one of the big three? And for the fact that you didn't have to trade and he fell into your lap is just insane with the idea that you can also get this blurring K.J. Hamler. And you know what? If you're going to draft another tight end, you might as well draft the kid that caught passes from Drew Locke in college in Albert Okawebunot. So I think there's a lot of positives with this offense to look at, but maybe the biggest, maybe the biggest, is that you did not get worse on the offensive line. You arguably got better. Look, there were two major weaknesses on this Broncos offensive line last year. It was uh, Ron Leary and Garrett Bowles. And, and you know what? I'll be honest. There were three weaknesses. You could also add the, the right tackle position as well, too. The, it was very difficult for the Denver Broncos to get better at the tackle positions. I'm going to be truly honest. It's going to be very difficult for them this past offseason, and as we saw, they really didn't do anything to get better at those two positions because there was not a lot of opportunities. The only real opportunity I think that that I saw for the Denver Broncos to get better, there, there's actually two of them, and one of them is still available. The, the first opportunity was drafting Tristan Wirfs at left tackle at 15. That obviously was not available to them as Tampa Bay trades up and picks Wirfs uh, ahead of Denver. The second one is Jason Peters. Now, Jason Peters is, is an interesting scenario because this is somebody who you may sign and and just may not be the productive guy that you're looking for and now you're tied to an older tackle once more you know no different than the Menelik Watsons or the Donald Stevensons or the Russell Alcoons of the past you're tied to this guy and he's not giving you production I think this is a position that has been such a failure unfortunately for the Denver Broncos that you now need to go into an offseason next year with a straight up hey we need to rebuild this side but we can't do it this year now there's a positive to this on this uh, let me get to that on the other side a you rebuilt what you could have on the offensive line this year and that was the interior and i tell you what denver's got a better interior than a lot of people think for as much crap as the offensive line takes to have lloyd cushenberry the third in the center an incredibly intelligent individual to have donald uh, uh, dalton reisner on the left side and then graham glasgow your free agent at right guard i i think you you really like what denver has in the interior and that's what's always a major killer for rookie quarterbacks, right? Or young quarterbacks, I should say. I mean, technically, Drew Locke hasn't played his 16th game, but he's going in year two. Is pressure up the middle to put you in such an uncomfortable position where you now you got to run around, you, know, you don't know who's coming on the blind side, you're trying to keep your eyes downfield, you know, there's a lot of chaotic situations that could go really, really, really bad for you. 
in the event where you have pressure up the middle. You know, I mean, look, even that's any quarterback. Uh, I shouldn't even point out just rookie quarterbacks. That's all quarterbacks. What's always been the recipe to beat Tom Brady for all these years? Pressure up the middle. And so the idea that you solidified that interior and those tackles played better under Drew Locke at the end of the season, those final five games. Garrett Bowles ranked out as middle of the road, according to Pro Football Focus, for those final five games. Now, I'm not going to say Pro Football Focus is the Bible, and I'm also not going to say this makes Garrett Bowles any better than he actually is, because quite frankly, I don't think he's a very good tackle. But if you could find some ways to mask the deficiencies on your offense through other positions quarterback masking the offensive line deficiencies if you can do that and say you know what let's use this as a bridge to take our left tackle and right tackle position and rebuild those next year but maybe they get a little bit of a boost because of the fact that drew lock is just overall that much better and we've seen quarterbacks do this okay let's be honest when that offensive line played post peyton manning boy did they look terrible and quite frankly you know what i'm gonna cut garrett Bowles a little bit of slack i know i know i know everybody's listening to this like what are you kidding me? Let's be honest, okay? Going into the year, do you really think Garrett Bowles had a chance to play well with Joe Flacco at quarterback? Let's be honest, okay? Nobody at the left tackle position was going to play well under Joe Flacco. Now, I'm not utilizing that as an excuse. Again, Garrett Bowles' future with the Denver Broncos is very much in jeopardy and probably not going to be a match made in heaven or really a match at all in 2021. But for this year, with the opportunity that, hey, Drew Locke could you know, potentially make this guy's a little bit better, at least serviceable. That's the that's the word I'm looking for, is serviceable, competent. Somebody who you know can at least just be a body over there who we don't talk about. You know, yeah, he's going to kill you with a holding penalty probably once a game. And you know what? He may allow a sec, but the hope is that he can at least be somewhat serviceable to get you through this year because Rome wasn't built in a day, okay? And you can't just turn... It's Quite frankly, I'll be honest with you, it's quite amazing that the Denver Broncos have turned this thing around this quickly. I I want to remind you at what the offense looked like two years ago. Two years ago, okay? They had an aging wide receiver group, a rookie group that was awful. They had a tight end group that was non-existent. They had a horrible offensive line and they didn't know who their quarterback and running back was. That was two years ago, two years ago. And now all of a sudden you're looking and say, okay, boy, they got a bit. They got one of the better running back cores in the, in the league. They got some of the best young wide receivers in the league, maybe outside of Dallas. Uh, you, you got a, a solid and growing tight end. We just talked about the interior of the offensive line and you say, wow, there's a lot to like here. There's a lot to like here. So, again, Rome wasn't built in a day, but, boy, this thing is building fast. And so one of the things I think that's really important for fans to remember is the idea that, look, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come in time. They're fully aware that the left tackle position is a problem. They're fully aware that the right tackle position is a problem. But there wasn't – I always ask the question on this podcast and on our radio show, what's the solution? 
You know, what's the solution between what you see with this team and their problems? And I just don't know if there was a great solution this year. Now, next year, there's a lot of great solutions. This year, I, I just don't see it because if you say, okay, well, they take Tristan Wirfs, well, now they don't get Jerry Judy. Okay, so now you now you're now we're talking about the wide receivers in a totally different light. Now you're not as excited about this offense anymore because you don't see Jerry Judy's posting his footwork videos for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or the Dallas Cowboys or somebody else and not the Denver Broncos. So, again, you can't have everything. A little bit of give, a little bit of take. You know, you get, you kind of have this this back and forth, and I tell you what, for what the Denver Broncos had at their disposal this offseason, I think they did very, very well for what was at their fingertips. And I, I, there's a lot to be excited about. I think John Elway nailed it. Now, granted, there was, there is some bad. Make no mistakes. There is some uh, real criticism that I have for this football team and what they did this offseason. But today we're focusing on the positives. Tomorrow we'll focus on the negatives. It's the Broncos Blitz Podcast. Of course, you can uh, check it out at milehighsports.com and uh, the radio show. Each and every day, if uh, you like the podcast, maybe you'll like the radio show. We talk Denver sports, basically. We focus on the Broncos. And, of course, this is a one of a two-part series for this podcast where we're talking about the good of the offseason this year. And in the next podcast, we will talk about the bad because there is a bit of the bad as well, too. So a lot to get to, and hopefully you continue to follow the Broncos Blitz podcast. Of course, so you can follow me on Twitter, at Ronnie K Radio. That's at R-O-N-N-I-E, the letter K, radio on Twitter. Twitter, and of course at milehighsports.com. If you like the podcast, be sure to hit subscribe, five star on the many different locations that you can find this podcast. And of course, it's presented by our friends at DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top rated sportsbook app. That's Spreaker, Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, and milehighsports.com. So a lot of cool stuff going on with the podcast. Uh, as we get closer and closer to what we hope is training camp, you just don't know. It's a new normal. This this COVID-19 is a really weird time. It's just, it's one of those things where uh, you, you, it's a week-by-week thing. We don't know if there will be football. Football believes there will be football, but again, things could really change in the next two weeks. Who knows? So we'll continue to stay updated at the Broncos Blitz Podcast and, of course, on Twitter, at Ronnie K Radio. That's at R-O-N-N-I-E, letter K Radio on Twitter. I appreciate you tuning in to the Broncos Blitz Podcast. Of course, follow on Twitter, drop me a DM, and subscribe to the Broncos Blitz Podcast at milehighsports.com. That's milehighsports.com. Later, y'all. To listen to previous versions of the Broncos Blitz podcast, visit milehighsports.com or subscribe to the Broncos Blitz wherever you get your podcast.